Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer K. Hill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Welcome, friends. It is such a pleasure to have you back here for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill, your host of this show and also co-founder of OptiMatch and Om-Heals. And as always, it is our joy to bring to you pioneers at the forefront of consciousness in the many different ways that they show up. Today is no different, a new friend who it turns out that we have many synchronicities and serendipities in common, along with both of us being evolutionary leaders. Steve Farrell is the co-founder and worldwide executive director of Humanities Team, a nonprofit organization based in Boulder, Colorado. The organization is focused on helping people throughout the world to awaken to their deeper self and the interconnectedness of all things in the universe. In the 1990s, before Steve became involved with Humanities Team, he co-founded and led two high-growth technology companies based in Silicon Valley that were both featured in the Inc. 500 and spanned the United States and Europe. During this period of his life, he was an officer of the Young Entrepreneurs Organization and the Young Presidents Organization. By all accounts, Steve was living the good life, but when he felt a calling to play an active role in creating a consciousness movement that could help people across the globe connect more deeply with the divine truth of oneness, and also consciously participate in creating a flourishing and awakened world, Steve followed his heart and left the American dream behind. What he found is the story of humanity's team. As I mentioned, he is also an evolutionary leader and has a brilliant new book out called A New Universal Dream, which we'll be discussing today. Steve, what a pleasure to have you here, my friend. Jennifer, thanks so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here with you and your listeners and viewers and really looking forward. Yes, thank you. Let's give people a little context, a taste of the book. It's a pretty remarkable story of how you went from being one of eight brothers and sisters. Is that right? <laughs> there were seven siblings and mothers. So eight of us in a, and a single mom, eight of us in a small. Tell us a little bit about that journey. And you were tenacious from the fourth grade. You had your first job and you were making ends meet. And then you went on to build this phenomenal career. And yet here you are running an incredible nonprofit that has touched the lives of millions of people around the world. How did that come to be, Steve? Thank you. It was an unlikely path. I haven't run into somebody like myself before. I grew up actually, as your listeners and viewers did, so many of them, with a single mom or single dad, seven sibling in total, in a small home about 1,350 square feet. And I, where I paid for my braces in the sixth grade, and I had a paper $10 a month. That was amazing. When I read that part of the book that you negotiated with the dentist to cover your own cost of $10 a month, a million gold stars to you, by the way, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The book, by the way, is it's a 50-year journey. It's a true story. It's the journey of me from age 12 to today, this unlikely story where I'm growing up as, as again, probably most of your listeners and viewers did, many of us in divorced homes 
And then I graduated from college, George Washington there in DC. And then I moved out to San Francisco. There was a calling for me to just kind of do that. I didn't know anybody out in San Francisco. I was living near Washington, DC in Virginia, and then took on a couple of jobs, including IBM. And then I started my first company in 1990 with a partner, two guys, used furniture, very small executive suite in a very inexpensive area, which was South San Francisco. And we were in the right place at the right time. And with the internet in 1992 is the date that people say the internet took off. Our business was digital communication, supporting larger companies like The Gap and Esprit and AAA of California, even companies like Apple Computer we worked with and other medium-sized and large companies only in on the West Coast in the beginning. And then we went down to, we went down to Southern California. We went out to the Mid-Atlantic region. Our business grew like crazy. We went to 75 million in revenue, 175 people, started a second company inside of it and sold the first company to NEC, the Japanese conglomerate. The second company we took to 75 million in two years, we venture backed it. As you mentioned, I was in YPO. I In YPO, I was in the center really of wealth creation. So like Gavin Newsom, who is the governor of California, was in my 60-person chapter. Hamid Mogadam, who's the CEO of the largest real estate equity trust in the world, it's REIT for short, was in my chapter. Andy Cunningham, who was Steve Jobs' marketing genius that launched the Apple Macintosh, she was in my chapter, and many others. These were just three of the remarkable people in my chapter. But as you mentioned in your introduction, Jennifer, at this time, I was called to leave it all, sell, sell these, these companies that I was involved with, leave these associations and move to Boulder, Colorado, where I've been leading humanities team for about 20 years. And it, it, there, right after I sold all of this, I'd come to know Neil Dial Walsh and I helped Neil. We co-founded humanities team in June 2003. Its whole focus is we called it then awakening oneness. Today, we say it's to help people live consciously. It's actually the same thing. There are many words for oneness or living consciously, unity consciousness, the new spirituality, many terms that we could use here. But it's about coming back into balance, coming back into the fullness of who we really are. And you could capitalize who we really are as it does in conversations with God. Because, you know, when we awaken to our oneness, we awaken to divinity, we awaken to non-separation. Non-separation means the creator of the entire universe is actually right there in your chest, Jennifer, in mine, in your listeners. There is no separation. We understand that. And we it's not just something logic center of the mind. We live into the into that. You were sharing, oh, 30 miracles a day is normal. <laughs> that's that's how it works, is when we live in alignment with life, which we could call the one conscious living, where which is a noble cause, where we do that, the universe is just throwing these synchronicities at you, resources, humanities team. We founded it in 20 years ago, and now this has grown into, we've got huge reach and impact. We've got a streaming platform that in the transformational education area is unsurpassed. It's called Humanity Stream Plus. So, my book, A New Universal Dream, tells that story of that young person, 12 years old, that then started paying for my braces a few years later, and then 
And that unlikely where I'm there with these leaders in Silicon Valley, who even today are huge leaders, but there was this calling to do something different, to be to get out on this conscious living path in the early days of what it was. It's still in its early days. And it just now we're just supporting people all over the world and deepening our own conscious journey. I really resonated, Steve, with your book. It makes me tear up actually remembering the line in the book where you said, I was afraid of being a disappointment or of disappointing people. And I remember I spent the first several decades of my life just trying to please, right? Oh, I just want to get it right. I just don't want to make a mistake. And yet that puts us in a jail, a jail of our mind, a jail of our consciousness, and prevents us from being able to share from our hearts, to share our wisdom and our understanding and to be present with other human beings, because then you have something in the space between you and another person. I don't want to be a disappointment. And then sometimes what shows up is, of course, that we are a disappointment until we can heal those wounds. So how did you heal that, Steve? Yeah, that was, and there was, I mentioned this Dr. Jacoby, who was my guidance counselor there in high school, who said, Steve, you're average, you're really just average. And and of course, the point I make, I stopped throughout the book because the book is actually written for the reader. I'm not Steve Jobs. You don't pick this book up to learn about me. You pick this up because I was this young person. I had to find my way on this conscious journey as we all do. And boy, did I learn a lot. And so throughout the book, I'm saying, oh my God, I learned this. And you might take a page from this too. So I'm throwing these tools out throughout the book. In this case, Jennifer, so what did I do with that? What I did is as I mentioned in the book, I really busted my tail. I worked really very hard, which is how then I worked at IBM before I started my companies. I was in mainframe sales, and then I started these companies, and then I came into this conscious journey. So there was this incredible learning along the way, incredible self-reflection. I mentioned when I started the companies, and I'm hiring these people that are two and 300,000 and more a year where they're looking to me, are you, is, are you the leader that, you know, I hope you are. And I had to grow into that from this. I was the middle kid. Middle kids, listen, middle kids are wondering, do they have this stuff? And so now the point I make here, and I would share with listeners is, my God, we all have the stuff. Listen to what we said just earlier in this broadcast. The creator of the entire universe lives within our, uh, our framework, our body, uh, our body temple. She lives there. She really does. She, all of it is there. We can, any wisdom, power, any power that we want, it's actually within our reach. Now, this, of course, is when we align ourselves with the one and we say, uh, which means that we're aligned with life. It means that we're pre-serving. We are serving life first. So that's what conscious living is. It's ahead of the top line and bottom line, which is more the center of wealth creation in Silicon Valley, where we align that way. And she feels that and knows that it's, boy, let's throw the synchronicities on here. Let's bring the, what you, the 30, let's get to 40 today. It's just going to keep coming and keep coming. You're going to, the people, the resources, the funding, the programs, the streaming platform, these things are going to just come, get poured on. Uh, and so I do, I would say, I don't wor worry about that today. I've grown um, a lot older than I was in my teens where, where I was sitting with that. And saying, can I ever, can I ever even be a good provider for a small family? Which is what I was talking about there in the book. It was true. So I sat with that back in high school to to consider, do I have the stuff to do that? And my 
what I've come to is that we all do. We all have this stuff. Let's just, if let's get ourselves aligned with the one with life, live consciously and boy, watch it all turn on. And then we're going to find true prosperity. Then we're going to live into the deliciousness of life. Then we're going to just have like what you were describing this life of, oh, where am I today? Because I'm not in New York. I guess I'm back in Portugal because everything is really working for you. And that's what happens when we live consciously. I love what you said. We are going to live in the deliciousness of life. That is a very salient point, and it's delicious to say that, quite frankly, too. And I want to tap in here for a moment, Steve, because I like to put myself in the listeners' minds and and hear what thoughts, what concerns, what questions they might have as they're listening to our interview right now. And one of the things that came to my mind is people are thinking, oh, Steve, you had it so easy. Yeah, you said you came from a family of eight, and then you built these companies, and you sold them for millions of dollars. You didn't have it hard. And yet, there was this pivotal moment in the book that you shared about your sister, Maureen, and that is one of many, I'm sure, challenges and hardships that you faced in your life. Would you like to share with us a little bit about that and how that impacted your decision to focused your life on consciousness. Yeah. So that was when I was in my early 20s. And uh, so I mentioned seven siblings and a single mom. The person after me that was in the true middle of the family was my sister, Maureen. So she was right after me. She called me and said she was going to, she was getting married when I come to her wedding. And I said, oh, let me try and do that. These days I'm working most weekends. If you can believe that. talking, how do we spell whacked, right? So, because I just, I just I clearly didn't have all of my priorities right. Now, that night, it would, I, I awoke to this just, we've all had these scary dreams, usually oh. less than five that felt so real. I dreamed she died. And, and it was real. I thought, oh my God. When I called her the very next morning, she picked up the phone. I said, oh my God, Maureen, I wouldn't miss your wedding for anything in the world. A few months later, I go to her wedding, incredible pictures of us, and and then she died a few months after her wedding. And that just the whole experience of it, of what happened. How did I have the dreams? I sat with all of that, of how did I have the dream and she died? And of course, one of the things that we do learn when we live consciously is there is no such thing as death, right? That there is no, we have eternal lives, we have unlimited potential. So I did, I grew a lot there and in terms of boy, we can't become so obsessed with, can I make it and can I provide for my family and start heads down that we're working through these beautiful moments where our sister is getting married or a dear friend or something. So it was a huge learning moment for me. I think it's a very powerful lesson for all of us. It is so easy to become fixated on achieve success the things we want, we desire materially or otherwise, that sometimes we lose sight of the greatest abundance, which is to have somebody who you love, whether it's a sister, a child, a brother, a mother, a loved one, whomever it might be. And I think that in today's modern society, we have all these choices. You go to Starbucks or whatever your favorite coffee shop is, you want it tall, you want it short, do you want it fat, do you want it no fat? And we're consumed by consumerism. And I think that that story is such a beautiful illustration that thank goodness that the divine, the beautiful consciousness within you gave you that gift and awakened you to this potential moment that could have been missed. And I ask us all to consider, what is that moment that you might be about to miss? What is that 
It could be time with friends or with a loved one, because we never know what are going to be those moments when it's our last moment right before we pass on to the other side, which is eternal, is a whole other conversation. But what are the things that you're going to say, I wish I had gone to my sister's wedding? I think that is really the epitome of consciousness. When we are living consciously, we are present, we are in the moment, and we are choosing our experiences. And yet what Steve is mentioning is being reactive and at the effect of our experiences. So, what does consciousness mean to you, Steve? Yeah, let me and yeah, just to stay with your point there, Jennifer, which is such an important point. This term, we all hear, you've made the bed that you live in or that you sleep in your life, right? Boy, the where you fast forward to today, I have, I'm married, to, I'm, I've got a beautiful wife, I've got two young adults, I've got a dog, a home, a, a life that is just, I love this bed that I've made. I and, and this is conscious living. When we talk about that deliciousness of life, that true prosperity, what is that? That is what we're getting drilling down on here right now, where these people in your life, including your best friends and close friends, that you love dearly, you meet somebody and you think, wow, this is really, this is what a beautiful person. And then you cultivate that relationship. You put energy and time into it. And certainly with the, your family, where you do that, then you wake up every morning, you wake up and it's, oh my God, I am the most blessed person in the whole world. That's the deliciousness of life. And you don't any longer run past things. In my Silicon Valley days there where I was growing these companies, I was running you might remember the story in the book where my wife's turning 30 and I pull some stale thing out of the refrigerator. If she wasn't my wife yet, I'll give it to her. It's, what are you thinking? Now I can assure you, man, I'll tell you, birthdays and, and just actually every day, it's love you get throughout the day and texting and you're not running past things. You're actually sitting with, you're really understanding that this notion of presence you get, not just to be present, but to be present because there's a loving there are loving opportunities all around you and you're feeling into those and you're saying, and you're feeling like the luckiest person in the world. And not that there aren't challenges. I don't want to make this put on rose colored glasses here and say there aren't challenges going on. There are plenty, but even in the midst of the challenges that we know that life is eternal, that we're giving our gifts, that we're helping to create support people in their conscious journey in this world. Our big mission and humanities team with Neil Donald Walsh and Conversations with God Foundation a year ago, we announced this initiative called Changing Humanity's Future. And it's about creating then this, this path to a sustainable and flourishing planet in 17 years by 2040. Of course, they talk about all of that in the book too. And what a beautiful thing where you give yourself to things like that, and then you appreciate the people in your life. So, I just wanted to bring this in. This is now going 180 degrees out from the Marine story where you're running past things and not even seeing the priority in it to not running past anything and sitting with it and appreciating it. I couldn't agree more. And there is, we are all so beautifully interconnected. Indra's web, I believe is what it's called, is all of our lives touch one another's lives. And that's the beauty is sometimes if we're unconscious, we're running sometimes away from things, as you so beautifully just put it, Steve. I remember my dear friend and uh, who's been a guest on the show, Dr. Mark Golston. We were, he was mentoring me several years ago. And he said, Jen, what are you running from? And much like you, I was building and selling my last company and I was going. And I just wasn't ever with someone. 
And I realized that I was just afraid. I was afraid to be present in that moment. Do you ever have that happen, Steve? Are you at a point where do you ever still feel afraid or do you ever have experiences that make you question your beliefs? So I don't. What I experience is I even in Boulder with global warming and extreme weather that is getting worse and things, we had a thousand people lose their homes. Those homes haven't been rebuilt yet. And of course, I read stories of people all over the world. They're shooters. And here in the US, we don't have a gun control thing. They're, there's the Ukraine. So what I experience, I read these things and they just, I am so a thousand percent in to what this conscious of it, supporting people in their journey. We have the streaming platform, putting new content up, creating new live programs. Why? Because I read all of these stories of people all over the world that are really severely challenged. Of course, that's the rich and poor inequity. And I want to, before I pass, I want to do everything in my power to, to help this planet awaken, mature into this whole new way of living on the earth. Because I, I had this extraordinary experience where I was there in the, with this in the center of wealth creation, the private planes, the private ski resorts, all of these kinds of things. People think, oh, that's really what we want to climb the ladder to. And then I was inside of it, and you don't. You do not want to climb that your ladder into that. That is not the prosperity that everybody thinks it is. It is not. There's a lot of challenged relationships there. And that's when you accumulate, when you win the lottery and you accumulate all of that. And then we're talking the other side of that, of people being challenged all over the world. So, no, I don't feel that fear. What I feel is, boy, Steve, even now with your program, Boy, come in. Let's come in with all of it, with everything. Let's bring it all in because we want this to spread. If we're your listeners are probably already living it, but let's stretch into it even deeper. Let's invite friends into it. Let's invite family into it. Let's invite coworkers into it. Let's help this whole world awaken to its true to who it really is and live in this mature state where the book is called a new universal dream, where we dream a new dream. And the dream is about supporting life first. It is, it is so powerful and so true that it's easy to get lost. It's easy to lose our way. And the analogy that just came to my mind as you were sharing about people who say are given a lot of wealth, like we all think of that, right? We think, oh, if you just gave me a million, a hundred million, pick a number, that boom, everything would work out. And yet it reminds me of a story. It's an ancient Kabbalist story. I study Kabbalah and many other things, as many of our listeners know. And the Kabbalists share that Imagine that you have, you want to receive a million dollars, but we're like a vessel, right? We all have a certain capacity, just the same way that say you have a hundred watt light bulb. And if you were to plug it in, or if you were to try and plug in a hundred watt light bulb into a thousand watts of light or vice versa, it would short circuit, it would break. And so the invitation for each and every one of us is how do we expand our vessel and our capacity to hold light? It might be meditation, it might be acts of kindness and sharing, of thinking of unified consciousness rather than selfish desires, the desire to receive from self alone. And it's so powerful when we begin to live our lives consciously, there begins to be a shift where we stop coming from judgment. And it's not about being perfect. I think this is an important distinction is it's not about being perfect. Just today, I was scanning an ancient text called a Zohar, and sometimes I'll do this for 30 minutes a day, and the wisdom just drops in. And I heard a message, and the universe said while I was scanning this, Jennifer, 
If you want to stop judging yourself and others, forgive yourself for all the things that you've never forgiven yourself for. And in that moment, when you forgive yourself, all judgments will disappear. And that's what's available to all of us in this universal new dream that Steve is talking about. How do we first heal ourselves? How do we first forgive ourselves for the mistakes we made, the decisions where maybe we did run past something? How do we reconnect to our hearts and use that connection to our own heart in order to connect with another's? So, Steve, it's been such a pleasure to have you here today. I want to be sure our listeners know where can they find the book? Where can they find out more about Humanity's team? So, you can go to a newuniversaldream.com, a newuniversaldream.com, and there, there you'll hear about the book. And we get actually giving away right now a masterclass with that book, just because we want to get the book out in the world everywhere. And then you can learn more about Humanity's team at Humanity's team. That's with a Y, humanitiesteam.org and the streaming platform and the Global Oneness Summit and all of these things that we do. And I just want to share here, coming back on what you were just sharing, Jennifer, that we are so unbelievably adored. And boy, if we could just open to that. we When I say the creator is within, I didn't mean to make that sound like she is just residing in some part of the little soul's part and the rest of us. No, what I meant to convey is you, the fullness of you, your entire body, your mental, physical, emotional self, spiritual self, you are a part of the of the whole of the universe of God. And you're an inseparable part. There is you couldn't have God, you couldn't have the universe without you. And you were so adored, each of us are. And of course we would be. If if we're an inseparable part, then we would be adored like that, right? So I just would say, oh my God, just Let's take time during the day to really feel into that, to open to that, because then it can spill over and we can be talking, we can be supporting others because we know how loved we are. And then we can be a hu- even more of a loving expression and there's nothing more healing, nothing more positive that we can do for people than just to be a loving expression with them. Yes, it, it comes back, Steve, to seeing ourselves as whole, complete and perfect and the world as whole, complete, and perfect. I remember vividly in COVID, it was March 6th of 2020, before things got really hairy. And I just called Deepak. I'd actually been reading our mutual friend Greg Braden's book, Divine Matrix. I didn't know him at the time. And I was sitting on the couch in Paris, and I got to a line in Greg's book, and he knows the story now. And it said, the square root of 1% of the population meditating at the same time can shift the consciousness of humanity. And so that inspired me. I called Deepak. I called the Kabbalah Center, all these wonderful people I knew. I said, guys, I got it. We got to do a global meditation. We're going to do it. And Deepak was on board. Everybody's on board. And Deepak says, Jen, I'm going to call it the Dalai Lama and see if he's interested. I said, oh, the Dalai Lama, that'd be amazing. So that night I'm in a meditative state. And I like to do this thing sometimes called soul talking with people who are alive or have passed on. And I was in this meditative state and I reached out from my soul to the Dalai Lama's soul. And I said, your high holiness, I'm Jennifer, I'm a friend of Deepak's and he's going to be reaching out to you to invite you to join us on March 9th. Would you like to attend? And I, without missing a beat, I hear his soul's voice drop in. Jennifer, I really appreciate the invitation. You don't have to use formalities. Please <laughs> drop the high holiness. And he said, I won't be able to join you. It'll be 1230 a.m. my time in Tibet, where I am or in whatever part of the world I think it was that he was at the time. And as he shared this, he said, I want you to consider something though before you go to do this event. If you are going to do this event because you think the world needs to be fixed, 
you will not be able to make the difference you want to make in the world. However, if you can first see yourself as whole, complete, and perfect, and the world as whole, complete, and perfect, it is from this place you will be able to make the difference you wish to make. And that's always stuck with me, Steve. Yeah, beautiful. That's quite a story, too. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for your many contributions to an awakened world, Jennifer. Uh, Godspeed to you. Well, it's our work. It's nobody. There is no you. There is no me. It is all our work. And it is my pleasure and our pleasure to have you here, to have you tuning in and listening. Please do check out the incredible work that Steve and Humanity's team and Neil Donald Walsh are doing. I had the privilege and honor of being part of the Global Oneness Summit last year as part of the Unitive Narrative team we have. And you are doing so much good in this world that the light is just going to continue to shine. So please stay in touch. We always love to hear your feedback. And we are so grateful for Steve joining us today and for your listening and for your trust. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.